Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I've been finding myself having a conversation and literally bringing up the same phrase in multiple conversations. And whenever that happens, it gets my attention because I'm like, hmm, there has to be something there. Almost like I take anything that is repetitious as a sign. The way that God called Moses, Moses. <laughs> anything to me that actually, you know, verily, verily, I say unto you, anything that is repetitious to me is almost like a <clears throat> in the spirit. And so when I've been having these conversations, the one phrase that I have been noticing that has been coming up is the following. I have said, you produce the way that you consume. And in one conversation, it meant, you know, because let's just give an example. If you are a book reader, then you are more prone to want to give advice on books or want to produce a book. If you are someone who is more creative, you actually are more find yourself kind of yielding to or being attracted to other people who are creative in that space. If you are more of a introvert, you kind of find yourself trying to find ways to be successful in whatever your lane is in an introvert kind of way. And so essentially what's happening is because you consume a certain way, you find yourself producing a certain way. So if you're someone that really, really, really prefers to listen to music opposed to listening or watching a music video, then you would probably, when it comes time for you to produce something, you would probably produce in the way that you consume, right? Is essentially what it was meaning in most conversations. But when I brought it up in the, the latter conversations I was having, I was referring to how a person treats other people, and in this one instance, I was having a conversation in regards to someone launching an idea, a product, e or the above. And I noticed that it was actually the issues that were coming up were issues of, it was founded in fear, but more so it was because I noticed, oh my gosh, because you are so judgmental and harsh when it comes to viewing other people's work. You are afraid of producing anything because that's the way that you consume. So you're afraid that when you produce, people are going to give you that same reaction. You are trying to avoid essentially other use. You're like, I, I, I want this to be perfect. You know, I don't want it to be air quote ghetto. Uh, essentially saying I want great quality because if it's not I'm going to get a harsh, brutal backlash because on the other side, that's what I would give someone else be if I were consuming this particular content or their content. And so I was like, man, a lot of the times people miss the very thing that they're supposed to be doing, the very thing that God has whispered in their ear years ago, because they are trying to avoid essentially them. And it kind of took me on a whole nother path when I started thinking about why do people miss what God is trying to do through them, for them, to them, e or the above. And the answer became 
because people are not willing to admit that they are the problem, that they are the problem. Instead of, oh, I don't have this, and if I had a little bit more of that, and whatever you wanted to go ahead and make your proverbial hindrance, you will, when honesty hits, you'll eventually get to the place that you're like, yo, real talk, I'm the problem. Because whatever you have identified to be the issue, nine times out of 10, 10 times out of 20, okay, whatever you want the number to be, there is always a person that has won with the thing that you said uh, you couldn't win with. Oh, money was your issue? Doesn't it kind of sting a little bit more when you find that somebody won with less money? Oh, education you think is your issue? Doesn't it feel some kind of way when people are getting promoted and they don't have the same accolades that you thought would equate to the win? Oh, you thought body image and weight was the, the number of weight was the uh, issue of attraction and finding a mate? Doesn't it make you feel some kind of way when you look at someone's outer shell and see, oh my gosh, you obtained a title that I've been looking for and, and we're not even in the same weight class, literally and figuratively? Oh, okay, don't it? So essentially, whatever you have identified as your issue, somebody else is winning with the thing that you claim is your issue. So what does that say to us, class? It says, <clears throat> I am the problem. And I went through this whole thing about reprogramming your I am, but sometimes you have to just be that clear with yourself. There is a difference between a hindrance and a hurdle. I went ahead and I was like, that that's really bothering me. Uh, because if you know anything about me, I love, 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 love cheering for the underdog. I love watching somebody go get what they want. Something about that fuels me to the next level. And lately I've been finding myself watching races, relay races, 100 meter, whatever. I just want to see the people run. You understand? I don't know what it is. Maybe because I ran track for like two and a half seconds in middle school. But something about that just rings home true to my heart because I know how much work it takes to actually run what we're watching for a couple of seconds under a minute kind of thing. You have no idea how long it took somebody to train, what they had to eat, how much they had to sleep. The, I mean, literally what we watch as a 58 second win took them a whole lifestyle to contort that. And so I have an appreciation for people who do things behind the scene that we only clap when we see them appear on the screen. And that's just my little, I'm going to get down from the soapbox. I know you're looking at me like you're getting passionate because you know I do. So I want to take a, time, a moment real quick to just identify the difference between hindrance and hurdles. So a hindrance, according to the, the bishops of the New Oxford Dictionary, because I'm not, you, nobody's plagiarizing grandbaby. The definition of hindrance is a thing that provides resistance, delay, or obstruction to something or someone. A hindrance is a thing that provides resistance, delay, or obstruction to something or someone. So a hindrance is literally something that stops something. It is something that is a problem. <laughs> there is, call Houston because it definitely has a problem. Versus a hurdle. A hurdle in the noun sense is first one was an upright frame, typically one of series that athletes in a race must jump over. We know that one. But two is an obstacle or difficulty. An obstacle or difficulty. So in layman's terms, what is the difference between an hindrance or a hurdle is how you respond to it. When I watch the races, 
The person that wins, the person that trains doesn't stop at hurdles. The problem is, is that most people are not able to properly identify the difference between a hurdle or a hindrance. Someone not hiring you for that particular position or that particular job, that's not a hindrance. That means that you have identified only one lane and one way to get the gold medal is what you essentially said for your life. So that one company, that one position, that was the in all be all after that, that's just it. So your, your book reads one chapter, one paragraph, and that's it. We're not going to try to add or do anything different. We're not going to try to get creative. We're not going to try to network. We're not going to try to rebrand. We're not going to try to do anything that betters ourselves personally, professionally, anything, Lee. You're just going to go ahead and accept that one no or that couple of no's and say, well, I tried. That's it. That's a hindrance mindset. A hindrance mindset sees the restriction, sees the difficulty, sees it, and yields to it and says, well, maybe if my father was there, I wouldn't have had A, B, and C. Maybe if I had better examples in this area, I would have a different outcome. Maybe if my mother and I had a better relationship. Maybe if I had more family support. Maybe if I had. So you're literally making the equation of your life being me plus or minus this situation equals my story forever. That's essentially what you said. And how dare you do that and make your book less than a bestseller and not have it where we all love that one thing of of rooting for the underdog and what you've done for society, what you've done for your bloodline, what you've done for your own personal story is you have made it where you stole the opportunity for somebody to cheer for you, even if it's yourself. Do you know how self-fulfilling it is to look at your own ingredients in life and say, listen, I know I'm short a couple of seasonings. I know I'm short a couple of vegetables. I know I'm short some of the things that will be mm, delicacy, but I could tell you what, for what I have and what God gave me, I'm going to go ahead and make these pieces hit. You understand? The pots and pans is going to be clank clanking in this kitchen. And whatever I come out with, and I believe God's going to come up with something that's going to be delicious, it's going to be edible. It may not be the best thing on the menu and in the five-star shelf situation, but what I have will be edible enough that it will sustain me until I get to where I need and want to be. Sometimes you got to look back on your own ingredients and be like, God, yo, I am in awe of what you can do. Instead of, oh, I'm going to show them and this, that, and the third. No, be, I want you to be such in awe with how God does a thing that you are paying attention more than anybody that that this whole thing how God creates I always tell him I'm like yo if nothing at all you've wowed me because I know my ingredients I know where I came from I know what I fall short in I know what I did not have I know I know and I know and if nobody else is cheering and excited for what God's doing for me guess what I can guarantee you that it does not do anything for me the the theater of my life is not silent because I'm rooting for me because I see what God is doing because I know where I'm going because I seen what he's taking me from that's a huge difference between hindrance and hurdle hurdle from when I'm watching in the races no one stops at it I don't care if it's in alignment with everybody else's hurdle I don't care if the hurdles are staggered I don't care what it is I have never seen an Olympic gold medalist get in front of a hurdle and absolutely stop at it or walk around it or nothing of the sort the person has either timed it seen it coming or or went ahead and positioned and conditioned their body in a way that when hurdles come I don't stop I don't stop 
How long you been on this earth? You know it's the same rotation. The enemy going to try to do something with your finances, something with your personal life, something with your professional life, something with it. I mean, it's the same thing. There's nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastics told you. And I rebuke anything of that nature from happening in the name of Jesus. But you have to get to the point that you like, bruh, it's the same song. It's the same sad love song. You think I'm going to keep crying about it? I know the lyrics. I know the words. As a matter of fact, I used to help you write some of this. But I'm getting up from this particular booth. I don't party in this particular way. I'm not worshiping at this particular hurdle. So at this point, we're going to start making all hindrances Olympic gold medalist hurdle type of events. If God allows me to see it, if if God allows me to sense it, If the Holy Spirit nudges me to do a certain thing at a certain time, I know it's because he's saying jump because he knows a hurdle is on the way. And sometimes it's because when you practice and you do all the things you do not equate for, yo, hurdles are going to come. Imagine how different your life would be if when you went ahead and planned for something or did something instead of doing plan B, because that shows sometimes a lack of faith. I ain't going to hold you. We have that conversation at another time. But instead of going ahead and try to do plan B, you want to go ahead and already implemented um, plan A.2. <laughs> you understand? Not that you are deviating from plan A, but that you know what? You already prepared for whatever hurdle comes comes to play. So if you know that there's going to be possibly some financial whatever, I need you to get better with your money. If you know that you prone not to feel good when you around a certain time or when you eat certain things, I need you to be better with your health. If you know that your family history is more prone to whatever the ailment, the mental health or whatever, I need you to go ahead and get in front of that. Sometimes the race is won because you got ahead of the hurdle. Maybe the hurdle was not moved completely in the name of Jesus. Maybe it's not. But God says that his grace is sufficient enough and that his power works best in your weakness. That's what the Bible says, right? So, so if it is a case where the hurdle is not completely moved, it's okay because the hurdle shouldn't move you. You understand? Cool. I said all that to say that I feel like if people really got that level of authentic, that level of transparent, my gosh, could you possibly grow from the fact that you realize, man, I think the problem is me. <laughs> like, time out. It, it probably is. That's why exposure is so important. That's why you need to see that not everybody came from a two-family household with all the money and all the things and in the right environment and in the right state and the right city. and the right. You need to know sometimes that, listen, the Savior of the world came from Nazareth. Does anything good come from Nazareth? It sure does. My Savior came from there. Sometimes you need to see that royalty is not always just considered the most holy of holies. Sometimes you got to see that Mary possibly is going to give birth in a measure. I think God purposely let us see. I want you to see a win when it doesn't even look like the setup was going to usher a win. Pharaoh's in the palace, but Jesus is in a manger. I need you to get that. Like, seriously, I need you to get that your components, whatever your variables are, 
it does not equate your, to your outcome. I do not care. How many underdog stories do you need to see or read? How many things do you need to go ahead and, and just experience yourself? Like, what does God need to do to convince you that, yo, I can change anything around? You come and seek me, bro. The things that you and I could do, if you really pair up with me and sincerely seek me with all your heart, bro, the things that I will do to your life will have you wild. Don't you want to live a wild life? Like, Yo, like what is going on? God, you did this for me and did. But sometimes getting to that particular point requires for you to realize that um, the problem is not your family. The problem is not how much money you have. It's not your education. Mm -mm, it's not even the fact that you had a poor head start. No, it's not that addiction. You ain't going to be able to use that either. Yeah, I know if you didn't meet old boy, maybe your life would have been different. Possibly true. I ain't going to hold you. But you know what? We'll never know because we're not focusing on that, right? Sometimes um, the problem is so buried within that you can't see past yourself. Mm -hmm. And I went ahead and started reading about Moses and I, with that particular lens. And I said, oh, my goodness. Uh, if he does not embody the entirety of what I just discussed with you. I, I'm like the way that I see him now, I almost low key feel bad. Cause I was angry at Moses a couple of times. I was like, bro, you, I don't understand. Like out of everybody that I ever read, like the way that you and God was like you and God in, I almost like, you know how they always ask that question, like, who would you have wanted to meet, you know, dead or alive, blah, blah, blah. Not to be no spiritual Bible thumper kind of thing. But I always say, I want to talk to Moses. Because, like, I don't understand. Like, the favor that you had with God, bruh. Like, you got to see, you got to convince God, like, can I see you? When I see you. Heaven knows when I walk right by. Like, you got God to be like, hey, real quick, can I see your pinky toe? I know I can't see your face because then I'm going to be um, raisinettes. But but can I see your pinky toe, though? You you spent so much time with God, Moses, that people were like, bro, I need you to put on a veil. Because the way that you out here in these streets shining, I mean, we said no more shiny suits, but, like, your whole face is on a glow glow. Like, you talk about glow up, sir? Like, I'm going to need you to tone it down. Like, you giving very much, you know, sunshine at 11.30 p.m. I, I love how he was just able to, wait, God, listen, let me just talk to you real quick. Don't, don't, don't smite the people, Lord. Because it's going to look like you brought all these people out here and because you didn't have the power to do anything. But, like, don't. Like, you was able to, like, like real talk. I know people put it on T-shirts and stuff, but, like, God was your homie. Like, he was homieing you out. Like, God, you letting him talk to you? You letting him ask, can he see you? Oh, God, you, you spending so much time with him that you morphing how this man look? And all that. Moses was, I feel like he was plagued with never being able to see past himself. He was plagued and that he could not identify, dang, he's the problem. And so I want to take, there was so many sections of Moses's journey that I, I wanted to take peace from, but I wanted to show 
where I identified, oh my gosh, it, it, it was from that point. You know how you can look at a person's life or even at your own journey and kind of pinpoint like the ever since? I like to lovingly deem it ever since. Like ever since that happened, this has been the trajectory of a person's life. Like ever since Whitney met Bobby, it, you see what I'm saying? We're not going to gossip because that's not the kind of grandbabies we want to be. But there always to me is a ever since. But the beauty of it is that you can change that. You can alter that. A ever since is not permanent. To me, it's beautiful to be able to identify that ever since because then you can go back and uproot that situation and go, no, we're going to plan something different. I'm not doing that. So somebody who loves you should be able to come to you and say, yo, ever since you met old boy, I don't know, you've been kind of, ever since you've been at that job, you've been a little bit more emo emotional, like you okay? Ever since you had that talk with such and such, like you ain't been yourself. Like somebody needs to be alongside you in a way that is so truthful, so authentic, so transparent that they see you when you can't see past yourself. To me, that is genuine iron sharpens iron. And someone who is in a place to receive being sharpened can identify, you know what? I probably can't identify the ever since, but I can identify the truth in your statement. People who are not ready to be sharpened kind of lash out at you because you're trying to sharpen a part of them that they, they either don't want to appear dull or they have deluged themselves to believe that they're no longer dull in that area. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll leave those grandbabies alone because I have a lot to say about that as well. Uh, I do want to read about Moses, though, because he's a grandbaby uh, on the queue right now. So Exodus 4, you know I read in the NLT version, right? Mm -hmm. You should know now. Now, before I go into reading this, I want you to remember the lens that I said. This is where I have identified that ever since for Moses, that this is the thing that kind of triggered, wow, this dude really can't see past him being the problem. All right, so let's read from verse 1, Exodus 4. So, wait, pause, backdrop. So this is when God was like, listen, I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to show him, blah, blah, blah. Moses was like, ah, but what if they don't believe me? God was like, cool, drop the staff. Go ahead and pick it up, snake. <laughs> okay, go ahead, put your hand in your coat. Ooh, you know, your hand did the situation. Put your hand back in your coat. Okay, now it's healed. You know, so God was doing a little bit of what God does, showing him like, yo, this is the real deal. Holy field. I need you to go ahead with confidence and go. So this is the next chapter after that. You following me? Cool. Okay, so Exodus 4, verse 1. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Two. Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Three. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw the staff, threw down the staff, and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Four. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab his tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Five, perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. Six, then the Lord said to Moses, now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Seven, now put your hand back into your cloak. The Lord said, so Moses put his hand back in and when he took it out again, it was as healthy as the rest of his body. Eight, the Lord said to Moses, 
if they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, then they will be convinced by the second sign. Nine. And if they don't believe you or listen to you even after these two signs, then take some water from the now and pour it out on the dry ground. When you do, the water from the now would turn to blood on the ground. Ten. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get I get tongue tied and my words get tangled. Eleven. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether a person speaks or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Twelve. Now go. I will be with you as you speak and I will instruct you on in what to say. 13. Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. 14. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said. What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he is on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. 15. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. 16. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. 17. And take your sharpest staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. 18. So Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law. Please let me return to my relatives in Egypt, Moses said. I don't even know if they are still alive. Go in peace, Jethro replied. 19. Before Moses left Midian, the Lord said to him, Return to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you have died. 20. So Moses took his wife and his sons, put them on a donkey, and headed back to the land of Egypt. In his hand, he carried the staff of God. Pause. You know what the issue is? Here, Moses, because he told God um, in 19, oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I have been I have never been and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue tied and my words get tangled. So God didn't take away the fact that he had to talk. God just allowed him to talk to someone that he would be comfortable being himself in front of. Okay. So talk to your brother. <laughs> Everything I just told you, you're going to tell him. And while y'all stand there, you're going to be whispering to him what to say. And then he's going to go ahead and tell the people. So then Moses was talking your issue at all. Hmm? No, because if it's an issue, it's an issue. Right? It's an issue in front of whomever. Talking is an issue when you talk to yourself. Talking is an issue when you talk in a mirror, when you talk on the phone, when you like talking should just be an issue, period. If you have identified that talking is the issue, but it's not. It's not. What's the issue, Moses? Hmm? What'd you say? Oh, it's you. Because you went on however many verses, almost a full chapter and a half. Telling God, no, I'm trying to just convince God. It's not, they not, what if they not believe in me? Okay, I'm going to give you all these miracles then. Okay, but God, they, 
but my tongue tied. Okay, then go ahead. God, send, please send anybody else. Like, you just had to get real at some point. Like, bro, I'm making up all these excuses, and you giving me all these remedies. And uh, the truth is, it's not the excuses, dog. It's me. Because once God said, go ahead and tell your brother and blah, 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 there was no more back and forth with God. Oh, thank God. Okay. He's going to have Moses go. He's going to have Aaron go with me. But you still got to talk. And not only that, he was like, bro, still, t- still take your staff, though, because you're going to have to still turn that into a snake. I ain't going to hold you. Everything I just did, you're going to have to do. What was the difference that God allowed you to have company because you didn't believe in yourself? So then what, what, what was the real issue? You. You. And you know what? I think it's ironic. God gave him all that information to see if he would go out on faith. And because he couldn't go out on faith and he went out instead uh, with spiritual crutches because Aaron wasn't called, Moses was. And so because you needed somebody to be next to you that God didn't feel like you needed to be next to you, to me, that's a spiritual clutch. God told him at the very end, return to Egypt for all those who wanted to kill you have died. Now, God, why would you tell him that at the very end? If you would have told him that in the beginning, then maybe he would have been a little bit more reluctant to be like, oh, thank God, because I ain't going to hold you. I was afraid, sir, because I don't know if you know, um, but kind of had a situation in Egypt, put somebody in the sand, you know, neither here nor there. Uh, But low key, that was making me nervous. So I'm so glad that you started off like that. Why do you think God didn't start off with the, hey, let me go ahead and soothe you? Why don't you think God wants to get to the place that he's like, listen, he is going to marry you. Listen, that job is going to hire you. Listen, um, whatever it is that you, yeah, you're going to get that house. You're going to get that car. You're going to, yeah, that, that thing that is kind of hovering over you that's competing with your faith and it's actually fear. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just soothe that part so that you can maximize on your faith. I think it's because God wants us all to get to a place that it doesn't matter what's trying to compete. If God said it, I'm going to do it. Period, point blank, the end. Because honestly, how much better do you think Moses would have felt if God would have just said what he said all the way after all the miracles? Hey, you can take your brother. Like, bro, why you didn't lead with that? Because if you have to be led by soothing, versus being led by God's instruction, then you're the problem. I mean, not trying to say it to hurt feelings, but very much trying to say it to hurt feelings because you got to identify what your clutch is. Moses, you feel better with Aaron being there than God saying, yo, I am, tell him that I am sent you. Oh, (laughs) I ain't, I ain't never heard no I am before, so this may be the real deal. I ain't going to hold you. God said for you to go, but you were like, okay, I'm going to take my wife and my son. Because I don't see, um, and you know, that could just be between him and the Lord. But I didn't see what God said, hey, take your family and go. God said I wanted you to go. But you were like, uh, okay, so take your brother with you. But then you went back home and took your wife and your sons. And it's like, um, why do you need the comfort of a crowd than the comfort that God called you? 
Why do you need to feel like as long as I got my A1s and my day ones, why do you need to feel like, you know, wait till I get my money right? Oh, like, why do you have to? Why is there is there a contingency on your obedience? Why? It, that I don't. And I'm not asking because I'm oblivious to it. I'm asking because we need to get foreign to it. You just got to get to a place that you like, yo, I don't care if I have to do it alone. I don't care if I have to be the only one that gets out this boat to walk on water just to say that I did it with Jesus. But what I won't do is to remain coddled by a crowd when I'm actually being disobedient to my calling, he did not tell Abraham to bring Lot. He said, Abraham, leave, not even Abraham at that time, Abram, okay? Leave your father's house. Yeah, and I'm going to go, yeah, you go, and I'm, I'm going to show you, like, you about to be, yo, the, the father of all fathers. I'm about to show you in a minute. And then what did he do? He took Lot with him. Why did you need the comfort of a crowd in order to be obedient to God's calling. Why did you need that? What, 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 what was it about bringing lot that like, how come, like, I don't. And so I think we need to get that real with ourselves. We need to get that real that we like, mm. Moses spent all that time convincing God. He wasn't it. Yeah. You got the, I, I listen, sir, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, uh, you doubt the wrong number. Mm-hmm. I would hang up, but I don't want to get zapped. So what I'm trying to tell you is like, yeah, no. And for God to be as patient as he was with Moses makes me just want to expeditiously in, impact my obedience. I do not want to, and I've been living by this particular mantra for quite some time. I do not give myself enough time to filter through what God said to do. Because I believe that if and when we do, it's a wrap. You've allowed emotions to enter the chat. You've allowed logic to enter the chat. You And this whole conversation was supposed to be a one-on-one tech message between you and God, but you made it a group chat. So now you got to filter through all the different things and threads of everybody else's input when it was just supposed to be you and God. Yeah, I don't, I don't give myself enough time for that. Because I truly understand that I'm a spirit being living a human being life. And so in order for me to be a good manager of self, I need to go ahead and eliminate any human being-ism interfering with my spiritual calling. My unction, whatever God told me to do, I need to just go ahead and do it. It don't have to make sense. That's why, real talk, uh, as I've gotten older, I have been more unveiled or veiled more. Yeah, the opposite of that. Because in my natural, oh, I'm an open book. What chapter you want to read? <laughs> like, listen, I I am, I will I'll speak to anyone. I'll, I'll encourage anyone. I'll do, e- but something about life, maturity, more so spiritual maturity has shown me the more open you are, the more Joseph results you get. Joseph had a dream and immediately told his brothers and the output of when and who he told resulted in the pit. And so I have learned 
that once you identify certain things about yourself, once you're able to get real, real with yourself and say, listen, I don't want to get to a place that I have to now filter through, you know, what my aunt said, what my homegirl said, what my sister said, what my father said, what my, I don't want to do all that. So sometimes you're going to have to just go ahead and be obedient first and then inform people last. Because sometimes when you do it out of order, obedience is last and obedience out of order is just a really pretty way of saying you or disobedient. And I don't know about you, but I don't like the way that that feels. I don't want to be a recipient of that. And so if I have to put a temporary hush just so that I can with excellence, execute what God said to do first, then that's what I'm willing to do. Why didn't you tell me you was getting a, why didn't you tell me that you was going to apply for? Because you don't even understand that what God's calling me to do takes a certain set of uh, faith. Uh, I got to hush this fear down. I, I have to tell my own emotions, shh, get thee behind me. I have to tell the people close to me that I want to go ahead and tell. I got to, there are some things that I have to do to put certain aspects of my life in order so that I can always make sure that I'm putting what God said to do first. Yeah, it, it is nothing personal. But this thing is starting to get real to the point that I'm starting to identify that if I, keep adding personal things to an item that it kind of looks like I'm diluting God because um, it, it should have never read Moses and Aaron. Yeah, it should have always read just Moses because sometimes when you bring people with you that God never intended, if that wasn't his original plan, guess what? Now you spending time with God, Moses, and Aaron is down near building a golden calf that is going to result in most of the Israelites dying. That was never a part of God's original plan. And so when you contort his plan, then understand that you also have to accept what comes with that. So when you bring Lot with you, Abram, understand that when he's in Sodom and Gomorrah and you got to go back and get him. See, now you altering all the things. And the beauty of God is that he's never going to interfere with what you want to do. That's free will. But you're going to have to get spiritually strong enough and mature enough that you understand that you never want free will to override his perfect will. And that's where we all should be getting to a place of. But you cannot get to that place until you have successfully identified within yourself. When you look at certain patterns, when you look at certain areas, when you look at the outcomes of certain situations, you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm the problem. So that's my challenge to you. I'm not trying to get you to claim that you are anything, but I want you to identify that you've missed leg day in certain areas of your life. And I want you to hit the gym, period. No more spiritual clutches. No more. Oh, but if my such and such is with me, no, you don't understand. I get no, you No, we're not doing any of that. What is God's perfect will? What did he tell you to do? Yeah, don't add nobody else to this boat that he didn't say to bring with you. I'm so glad that when Peter got off the boat, that when he said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come out there to your boy. 
Uh, okay, now I'm on my way. I'm so glad he didn't look at another disciple and was like, come on, Mark. He said we can go. Uh, Mark didn't Mark didn't confirm that that's what Jesus said. Jesus was talking to you, Peter. Yeah, be careful. You added Mark and now uh, he drowning and you're like, oh, and now that's distracted you from walking at all. Hmm. Yeah, let's get to the place that we start identifying. Yeah, I think I think I'm the pro. I ain't gonna hold you. I think it's me. Mm -hmm. And there's maturity in that and there's freedom in that. And you know what else comes from that growth? Because guess what? You haven't read again that um, when God said to do something with, with Abraham, that he was like, oh, okay, let me go ahead and add a few <laughs> other situations. He did it a few more times. Like, you know what? You're going to have a son. Then his wife was like, eh, go sleep with Hagar. Like, oh, y'all going to keep just adding people to the story that God didn't have originally designed for? Okay, listen, he ain't going to stop you from laying with Hagar. But understand that when Ishmael comes, God is not going to interfere with that either. You're going to have to deal with the repercussions of Ishmael when he always had Isaac in mind. Do you understand what I'm trying to go? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm passionate about this. Because every shackle is not as uh, clear and loud as a clink clink sometimes. Sometimes you got to stop and be like, time out. There's something deeper going on here that I don't think that I'm really identifying. And then once you do, you dismantle that thing, throw that thing back to the pit of hell where it belongs and say, okay, God, bring me back to the manufacturer default. Because the one thing that I'm not going to do is uh, look like this chapter of uh, Exodus 4 in my life. Yeah, mm -mm, we're not going to do that. I want my chapters to read, oh, that's how she was. But ever since she identified that that's how she was. She was never that way again. That's how I want my book to read. Hmm? Absolutely. And I want everybody around me and everybody who wants to be better. I want their book to read that way as well. Because I believe that we are also writing our own books. Like your name is going to be in the book of like, yeah, like we are writing our own books. And I want my book to be a bestseller. I want to get up when it's time for judgment day and be excited that I actually went ahead and let God write the book that he wanted, the perfect will that he wanted for my life. Because the reality is, is that I wrote a couple of chapters by myself and it didn't do so well. But as long as I'm still living, I got more chapters. And so I'm excited about that. You understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was the problem. But ever since I identified that, it's up. You understand? But listen, um, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm. You know what these conversations are, right? Right. They are life provoking conversations, conversations that not everybody's going to have with you. But who your favorite homegirl? Uh, I don't know if you have or not yet, but I need you to be on IG. Like there's a lot of things going on over in these streets and I need you to be trailing with me. Not on no Moses and Aaron, but very much on the like, yo, if I'm your favorite homegirl, prove it. You understand? Mm-hmm. Uh, Strive and Inspire. Mm-hmm. S-T-R-I-V-E-N as in Nancy. Inspire. Yeah, um, I'm excited for what's to come. Yeah, but um, I'm not going to be telling you nothing new because you already see it on the other side of the streets, right? Yeah, you should be on IG with me. And if I don't see you following me, I'm that petty that I will unfollow you. Don't play with me because you're supposed to be. I'm supposed to be. You put. I'm supposed to be your favorite homegirl, exactly. But um, listen, I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. We talk later, okay? Later.
Oh, wait, before you go, uh, let me go ahead and just remind you again that you need to be looking at created to multiply.com. Very much created, the number two, multiply.com. Oh, and you know your girl got a Patreon now, right? Mm hmm. When you go to the website, you'll see all of that. So, very much go. Okay. Now, I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. Later.